X marks the spot for a 15th consecutive year. The Penguins are going back to the playoffs. Not that we were surprised. Uh, but the, again, uh, some accomplishment, uh, the longest run, longest current run in the NHL. And with that, we welcome you into the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. I am joined by Taylor Haas, who was in Washington, uh, uh, watched the 5-4 overtime win, and also Dave Molinari back in Pittsburgh. Uh, so uh, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, we, we will have uh, Stephen Wino from the Associated Press, the lead hockey writer for the Associated Press, is going to talk to us a little bit about some of the, the Capitals, some other league issues. So a lot to get into. Taylor, you were at the game tonight. <laughs> a wild one, a wild ending. Uh, what's your headline coming out of this game? Yeah, I mean, other than, you know, clinching the playoff spot, but, you know, just focusing on the game alone, just I think the resilience. Um, like you said, the wild ending where, uh, you know, Wilson ties it up with 14.3 seconds left and then for them to regroup, they did and then pull it out in overtime. That, but then also, um, I mean, they were playing a man down, um, losing Evan Rodriguez midway through the first and most of the game. Um, so just the way the forwards stepped up, especially, you know, some of the bottom six guys, um, uh, that was that was good to see. So, yeah, just, just the resilience they showed in this win. Uh, yeah, Kasperi Kapanen with a couple of goals. Uh, Freddie Hockey uh, gets back in the lineup. He has a goal. Aston Reese, which I th- a, a huge goal, obviously, the winning goal, uh, uh is obviously the, the the biggest goal of the game uh, by Jake Gensel, but uh, Aston Reese with a, a big goal uh, at the end of the second that uh, that really kind of sparked them going into the third period, uh, and just a crazy as, as you said, a kind of a crazy ending. Uh, Dave, what sticks out to you when you when you watched it? I know you had some cable issues, uh, but for what you were able to see, uh, what what uh, stuck out to you? Well, beyond the uh, <clears throat> the obvious result and, and its implications, uh, I was really struck by the fact that the Capitals scored three goals as a direct result of winning faceoffs in the Pittsburgh end. I think that's something that has to uh, be at least a bit of a cause for concern uh, for the Penguin coaches. You know, perhaps that was an aberration, but that's the kind of thing that you can't have happen on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, 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 I really appreciate the, the work of the analyst community, but one thing I am an issue with, uh, a lot of them will say that face-offs are not that big of a deal when you, when they, they all kind of even out in the long run, I, I disagree. And we saw that evidence tonight, as, as you mentioned, several goals off face-offs, um, uh, just well, a, a, just to touch on the the defensive zone was the only zone in which they won more faceoffs than they lost. So, um, I <laughs> I think I mean we're the only ones. I mean, anyone remembers the losses that that led to to goals. But I mean that right. it's not that they were, they weren't even bad specifically in the defensive zone and faceoffs. They just said everyone remembers those goals. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and they're they're killers, and th- that many tonight. Uh, the other killer was boy, and you. And Chris Letang has certainly had a, a better second half of this season, but you hope he got that hiccup out of the way at the end of the game. That you know, you you watch so many of these end of game situations, and, and Dave, I, I, I can't remember how many times I've seen a guy that wide open in front of the net 
to tie the game. Uh, Wilson's tying the game, and it just looked like uh, it looked like the Tang made a bad read there. Went behind the stayed behind the net. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't want to uh, leave a guy unchecked in front of your net with 15 seconds to go in a uh, one-goal game. But Latang could have rendered the whole thing moot about a minute earlier had his uh, <laughs> shot just gone about a quarter of an inch farther to the left. My uh, wife's screaming so, at the TV. She thought it was in at first. Well, it, it couldn't have come much closer to being in, which would have put the Penguins up by two and, uh, as I say, render, rendered everything that uh, followed moot. Yeah. But, I mean, you have to wonder, you know, in a race that, that's so tight, you know, would, will the uh, point that the Capitals managed to salvage on that Tom Wilson goal end up being the difference in, in the standings, whether, you know, whether it's for first place or, or seeding or, or whatever? Um, that, was, that was a tough one to give up. Obviously, the Penguins have to be happy with the, uh, the final result, but you know, the point they gave away could uh, turn out to be costly. I, I want to ask you guys' both opinion on this, because it's it, when you see 5-4 score, your, your, your natural reaction is to think, boy, it's a rough night for the for goaltender. Uh, Taylor, I thought Tristan Jari made some key saves to kind of keep it a one-goal game at stretches, and I thought he made a huge save at the end uh, right before the Penguins come down and win it. Yeah, I mean, he was he was really uh, locked in for most of the game. I mean, some of those were weird bounces. Uh, the one that comes to mind, I think, was the Orlov goal, the one that just kind of popped up over him. Um, kind of a weird bounce and then trickled in. But, uh, I mean, he was – yeah, he was solid for, for a lot of the game. Uh, I don't think he had a bad game at all. Dave, that, that save right before they go back at down and win it, those are the kind you, you know, you just – you, you right away when you I thought he was going to get beat on that shot. He made a great stop, and then they end up winning. Yeah, he did, and you know that's the kind of uh, game changing save that they're they're going to need in in the postseason. Maybe not necessarily so much in the final five regular season games because you know now that they're in, that's the big thing. Um, you know, getting the best possible seed is nice, but you know the major hurdle has been cleared. But when you get into the playoffs you're going to need your guy to come up with uh, some game-changing stops. And, you know, that certainly was one. Uh, not all good news tonight. Uh, first of all, you know, let, let's let, let's go with the injury front. And, Taylor, let's, unfortunately, for the Penguins, start with a new add to the list. Boy, Evan Rodriguez, that, that hurt me watching it, and I was 600 miles away. Yeah, I mean, you saw his reaction. Uh, he got hit by a Mike Matheson shot in a slot on the power play midway through the, the first period. Um, it looked like it hit him either. It was hard to tell from the replay, but um, somewhere in, in the left ankle area, it looked like maybe behind it or to the side of it, oh. um, like on the boot. But, uh, yeah, you saw his reaction when he went down. Um, he was in a lot of pain. I was surprised. So he, he went to the room. He came back. A couple of minutes later, uh, and did you know a couple of tests, you know, warm up like laps during a, a stoppage, and then he stayed on the bench. Um, but then he came a couple of minutes after that. He you know tried coming out for a shift, and immediately, um, I mean, he didn't make it a few feet off the bench. Immediately, he, he turned around and like waved to the bench, and, and then got right back off and um, went down the tunnel on his own. Uh, he ran down the tunnel, so he didn't need help getting off that time. But yeah, it was uh, definitely a scary looking injury. Let's stay with the injury front for one minute. You were there today. 
it sounds like Evgeny Malkin is very close. Would you, would it surprise to see you? Would you be surprised to see him Saturday? Um, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, just from watching uh, the optional skate on uh, before that game, I, I didn't think he was going to play just because he, he he stayed out very late with like the taxi taxi squad, healthy scratch guys. But um, from watching him, uh, he he didn't seem to be missing a, a step. Um, but yes, yeah, so he was you know full contact. Um, Guru obviously came back, so um, yeah, just kind of waiting on him. Uh, Tanev and I guess Rodriguez, but yeah, just I mean, what Guru comes back in and then they lose Rodriguez, so uh, can't catch a break. Dave, uh, you, any thoughts to one of the things that and, and thankfully nobody was hurt in any of these collisions, but boy, Garrett Hathaway seemed to be targeting he he had a couple of runs at Crosby and the one Sid just barely got out of the way I, I don't know if you if the TV was good there did you any sense of that or do you, do you if you're the penguins is that something you you kind of file away they've got some big boys on that team Dylan the defenseman Wilson does we don't even need to describe him and Hathaway is another one of those guys that just seems like to run around a little bit well yeah and I mean they have to do something to try to counteract the the Penguins' obvious advantage in speed, um, you know, and and you, they can try to do that with, with physicality. I w- would fully expect if uh, if those teams uh, meet in the playoffs that you will see them try to hit key guys like Crosby and Latang, uh, you know, at every opportunity, even even if you don't affect a guy with a particular hit, you try to wear him down over the course of a seven-game series. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there was anything surprising about that, and and I don't think anybody should expect it to stop. Very good. Uh, all right, we, we will be back here in our second segment. We've got a lot to talk ab- uh, about. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Mike Lang's great night the other night uh, at the arena. So please stay with us here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Welcome back to segment two of the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. we will have a little bit later Stephen Wino from the Associated Press, who is their main hockey writer, joining us, and we'll ask him some questions. Uh, obviously, uh, the other the, the the second game against the Bruins did not go the way Penguins fans had hoped or the team. Uh, but the one really nice thing about uh, that game the other night was the return of Mike Lang, a legendary broadcaster. Uh, who's you know missed most of this season? Well, all but all but the game the other day, but just because of of coronavirus concerns and he, some and some of his own unrelated medical procedure that he, he's had done, uh, and just the, the just to see the acknowledgement from the crowd from the from the players themselves uh, for this legendary broadcaster was 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 wonderful enough. But then, Dave, you you had a story uh, that night about a little something that kind of kind of uh, tied it all together with with the star uh, of, of of the team, Sidney Crosby. Uh, for for those who did not get a chance to read your story, and I encourage you to do on DK Pittsburgh Sports, tell the readers what happened. 
Well, it was uh, after the game, and uh, Mike Lang and his analyst on the uh, on the radio broadcast, uh, Phil Bork, were leaving the press box. Uh, they were probably about halfway between the broadcast booth and the elevators uh, when uh, Emma Kilmer from the Penguins communication staff uh, walked up to them and handed Mike Lang a, uh, a puck and an envelope and said to him, this is from Sid. Um, it was, you know, the puck's pretty self-evident. Uh, precisely what was in the... Uh, in the envelope, I, I can't tell you it was either a, a card or a note. Uh, but anyway, the point was that that Crosby wanted to let uh, Mike Lang know that he and his teammates were aware of of Lang's presence in, in the building that night, and uh, of uh, you know, I guess in general, just to acknowledge the uh, the importance. Uh, that he has to this team and uh, the way he's respected by by the players. Um, I, I think Lang is probably without question the uh, the most dominant um, figure in this franchise in terms of people who weren't directly involved with the the on ice product. Um, I he his work was was largely responsible for for keeping the flickering hockey interest in this town in the, in the late seventies and early eighties, uh, burning, uh, you know, it's a couple of years ago. They, uh, they renamed the, the press box at, uh, PPG paints arena after him. And, you know, I think that's the least that they could do to, uh, to acknowledge and honor the impact that he's had on this franchise. Taylor, you know, one of the things about Sidney Crosby, other than he's a, one of the best players in the world, has been since he's come into the league, is he seems to get it. He seems to understand uh, what's the environment around him. Uh, any surprise at all that he would reach out to, uh, to, to a legend like Mike Lang like that? No, you see him show that kind of appreciation for, I guess, you know, like the support staff or, or uh, people in roles like, uh, like, like Lang has. Um, before, I mean, you just look back to what the other uh, game when the equipment manager, you know, gave him the the stick on the fly. He immediately handed the stick after he scored the goal back to the equipment manager, like for him to keep. Um, so just nice gestures like that. Uh, he, he's always aware of that kind of stuff, and and he really uh, has a lot of appreciation for for the people like that. And it's not it's not limited to you know people involved with the hockey team. You hear so many stories after the fact of visits to hospitals to see kids and stuff like that. I mean, he's, he's a world-class hockey player, obviously, but he's an elite caliber human being too. Um, people who are around him, I, I don't know that you're going to find anyone to utter a bad syllable about him. He's, he's just a good person. Yeah, and I think that's what kind of made this story so uh, kind of poignant because you're kind of describing, as as you said, probably the uh, face of the franchise off the ice uh, for many dark years uh, with Mike Lang, and then and then obviously uh, the, the the greatest player that's played for this team in the last you know ten twelve years ever since Mario hung him up, 
uh, you know, to to acknowledge the greatness, recognizing greatness is is a pretty cool story. And 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 Lang, you know, we don't know exactly what the future holds, but his legacy is secure no matter what he does. One of the great great uh, announcers, play by play man. I don't care what sport. I loved listening to him on the radio growing up in Warren, Ohio, uh, or on TV on KB, KBL. Boy, I'm dating myself there. Uh, but, but Dave, it's not to belabor this, but I, the, the thing that I, besides just such a wonderful call, and of course he had the great goal calls. Everyone, everyone knows all, all the different uh, sayings. But I don't know if I've ever seen a broadcaster that had a better sense of the game, of what was coming, who could he could foreshadow what was coming in the game. You, you just knew the Penguins were on the verge of scoring or they were in trouble. Uh, could you uh, not just listening to him? Yeah, I mean, that that absolutely is the case. And it, it's not like a, he's a guy who grew up steeped in hockey either. He's, he's from around Sacramento, California, which was – Certainly not a hockey hotbed when uh, when he was a young man, uh, but he does really have a great feel for the game. I'm, I'm sure part of that is you know was developed over the years from watching so many games, beginning in uh, the Western Hockey League, I believe is where he got his start. That when that was a uh, a minor league operation, as opposed to the junior league by that name now. Um, but no, he has he has an exceptional uh, feel for the game, as good or better than I think a, a lot of guys who are paid to be analysts. Yeah, a hundred percent on that. Um, I, we could talk about this. All, I could talk about this all day, but let's let's do move on. Uh, Taylor, well, obviously it's been, it's been a good season for a lot of players in this team. Um, Jason Zucker is a guy. Let's face it. I, I don't think anyone expected him to be this deep into the season and have sitting on 13 points, at least going into uh, Thursday night's play. I, I don't think anyone thinks he's dogging it. I think he works hard. What has gone, what has gone wrong this season as far as not being able to, to put up points? I mean, as of as of late, you know, since the trade deadline, he is playing on his off wing. So at least since uh, you know that they acquired Carter, um, I mean, that is part of it is that he's he's not play, he's not playing on the side he's supposed to. Um, doesn't really set him up for success. But uh, it, beyond that, I mean, I don't know. And it's not that he hasn't had you know chances. He's had chances before, and maybe he. Uh, gets denied or something that stands out what it was when they were in Buffalo and you know he had a two-on-one with Carter and he, like he passed it and it's when he should have shot so he is like passing up opportunities too but um, I mean it's hard to say what exactly hasn't hasn't worked this season for him. Dave uh, you've been around elite hockey players for for many years decades even uh, I don't care how good you are. If your confidence starts to wane, if you stop seeing the puck go in the net or your name occasionally pop up on the score sheet, I do wonder if some of this is just mental because, again, I, 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 I see the effort. It's not like he's, he's not working. Uh, your thoughts on, on, on why a player of this ilk is, is sitting on so few points? Well, first of all, thank you for cutting it off at decades instead of centuries. <laughs> uh, I, honestly, I, I think you nailed it there with, with confidence. I, I don't know that people appreciate just how, how significant that is 
for even the most accomplished players. Um, if you start to have even a, a modicum of doubt about what you're capable of, uh, it really can have an impact on your play. And there is no question that, that Jason Zucker is, is capable of, of contributing more offensively than, than he has this season. He's not a game-breaker or uh, possibly even a difference maker, but he is a legitimate top six winger in this league uh, and certainly can reasonably be expected to put up more points than he has. And, uh, you know, I would not rule out that happening uh, if he can regain his his belief in himself, uh, you know, during the, the what's left of the regular season and then into the playoffs. And that could... That could be a big plus for for the Penguins, you know, if if they get all of their forwards healthy and get him producing at the, at the level that's reasonable to expect. That that could be a big deal. Yeah, and and and, and when we're talking about confidence, as, as as quickly as it can go, you get one or two goals, get something puck in off the, off someone in his rear end, something finishing a two on one. That sometimes is just you just need that little spark to that that little belief, uh, and you're right, you're absolutely right. Going into the playoffs, you get a guy like that just being able to pitch in offensively a little bit, then all of a sudden that just gives you one more element of offense that you just haven't had for most of this season. Um, okay, we're we're getting toward the end of the regular season. We got a little bit more than a week week or so to go here. Uh, depending on what division you follow, uh, and and you guys obviously uh, both you, Taylor and Dave, you've got some decisions to make as far as voting for uh, the end of the season awards. And I'm wondering, first of all, before we get into some Penguins specifically, how difficult is this going to be for you guys as you make your selections this year? in a year where you're really only seeing seven or eight teams on a consistent basis because you cover, you both cover the team and maybe not seeing as much of the league as you normally would. Taylor? Yeah, well, I'm lucky I don't have a have a vote this year. The, oh, okay. the, um, the Hockey Writers Association really trimmed it down this year because of that, because we aren't seeing um, really any of these other teams. So uh, <laughs> it's only if the certain number per market. I'm lucky I don't have to decide because, like you said, it is really difficult um, I mean, looking around the league, like, I, what you can probably say, like, Kaprizov is going to win Rookie of the Year, but beyond that, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's really tough uh, because we aren't we aren't seeing uh, some of these teams, like you said. Dave, I'm I'm sure uh, a Hall of Famer like yourself takes pride in in in, in trying to put out the, the your best possible votes, but I would have to assume again, you, I'm, I'm assuming you're. You're relying on a little help from your friends around the league to, to inform you on some of these picks? Well, the, the problem with that is that they're in the same situation yeah. uh, that we are. You know, uh, the, the, as uh, Taylor mentioned, the, the voting list is cut down this year. There, there will be 20 representatives from uh, each of the four divisions, and then 20 at-large voters, many of whom are broadcasters. Uh, but almost everybody, you know, of, of those 100 voters, you know, are seeing firsthand, you know, games from one division. Yeah. And, you know, it's really difficult 
you know, to compare players when, you know, when, when you're not getting a, a firsthand look at them, a guy, you know, even, you know, once or twice as you normally would uh, with someone for, from the other conference. Um, I expect this to be really, you know, challenging. Uh, you'd like to think that whatever divisional bias there is this year will be balanced out because it will be the same in all four divisions. But, you know, it's uh, – uh, there are things that would have upset me more than if the league had simply decided to suspend uh, handing out these awards and trophies uh, this season because I think it's going to be very difficult to select the most deserving people. Yeah, it seemed like that we saw that in baseball too. Uh, not to get off topic, but I, I know in talking with some friends who cover baseball, that, that was a that was, those were hard selections to make uh, last season. Uh, again, luckily getting back to a little bit more normalcy there this season with baseball. But okay, if if you had to, if you guys had to, uh, the thoughts on the different awards. Is there a Penguin player or a coach? you think is either worthy or has a good chance of winning one of the, the, the more prestigious season ending awards, uh, Taylor? Uh, I feel like whenever there's a season like this where they have a lot of injuries, we, you have to mention Mike Sullivan for the, for the Jack Adams. Um, again, I, I, I'm not familiar with, with, I guess, some of the other teams and other divisions of, of, you know, what cases their coaches might have, but, um, I feel like a uh, Sullen for the Jack Adams might be what the best shot they have at, at having a player or a coach win an award. Dave, first of all, let, let me. I want to. I want you to, to dovetail off of of Taylor there. But are you surprised at all that that Sullivan has never even been a finalist, given the amount of success he's had in his first couple years, or is, or is it just one of those things where the league had kind of had people, the voters, and these are broadcasters. Correct. This is Correct. the broadcaster. Uh, that, that, that there's just sometimes there's like, oh, he coaches Malkin and Crosby, who, who couldn't win with, without, with that lineup. Uh, your thoughts on him, A, never being a finalist, and B, is he worthy this year? Well, I think there is some of that um, where people, you know, who aren't around the Penguins on a regular basis might look at their lineup and say, you know, how, how would you not win with the personnel that they have? Certainly uh, that, you know, I could see people having that feeling early in his tenure, not so much now. Um, I think he's the, if you had to pick somebody associated with the Penguins, I would think he has the best chance. You know, there are some other coaches who have done some really Good work this season. Rod Brindamore in Carolina, Dean Evason in Minnesota, um, you know Joel Quenville, yeah, who's uh, right. rather accomplished uh, over the course of his career in Florida. So I, you know, I certainly would not say Sullivan is a lock or even a favorite, but I think he, you know, he's a worthy contender for the Adams. Uh, the other two guys I expect to get votes. I think you'll see Latang get some support. Uh, for the Norris Trophy, which goes to the league's best defenseman. Uh, but I think he's been much too up and down to be a, a major factor in that voting. And I think you'll see Crosby get support uh, in, in for two trophies. I, I think he'll, you know, 
figure into the heart uh, voting, which goes to the player a judge to be most valuable to his team. Although I think Connor McDavid is going to be a pretty, you know, staggering yeah. favorite to win that one. And the the race I'll really enjoy uh, watching or seeing how it turns out is for the Selkie Trophy. Yeah, uh, I think there's kind of a bias against Crosby because people think of him as a point producer. But there seems to be a growing acknowledgement around the league that that this guy is uh, is a pretty good 200-foot player who is quite effective in his own end. And I, I think there's uh, growing support for him. I, I don't know that that will translate to him winning the Selkie, but I expect him to be somewhere in the mix at least. Yeah, I think I would I would agree with both of you guys on your on your thoughts there. Um, again, I think if I if I had to pick a favorite right now in in the in the Adams Jack Adams, I, it might be Joel Quinville. Uh, Everson certainly uh, has done a really nice job there with Minnesota. They've already qual they've already qualified for the playoffs. Uh, and I and I agree with you on 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 uh, Crosby. I think as he gets older. And maybe this is natural with a lot of great players. I know Ken Hitchcock always talks about guys as they get older in their career, they have to adjust their game a little bit. The game, you're constantly kind of reinventing yourself. And not that Sidney Crosby ever had to change anything he was doing as a player, but he is he has become more of that 200-foot player. I think Steve Eiserman was that way too. As, as his, his career went on, he became a really good two-way forward. But uh, – We'll be finding out that uh, pretty soon, but what we'll be finding out a little quicker is the thoughts and opinions of Stephen Wino uh, from the Associated Press. He will be joining us next here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. And as promised, we are now delighted to be joined by Stephen Wino, uh, the lead hockey writer for the Associated Press, uh, based in Washington. And we really appreciate his time. This is a, a crazy time for anyone. Anyone that has an appreciation for people that work at the AP, they're being tugged in nine different directions. Stephen's following the NHL and also working on the NFL draft. So, uh, his time is precious. Uh, Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks for taking some time. Uh, interested, obviously you are based there in Washington. Uh, you watched last season as a Caps team that has been very good for, for, for several years here, winning the Cup in 18, knocked out in the first round. Uh, off-season changes made. Peter Laviolette in. Zdeno Chara out. Braden Holtby out as we get ready for uh, another playoff run for these guys. What are your impressions of this team and, and, and how different are they and what would you expect from them in the playoffs? It, it feels more like every year from 2012 to 2018 than it does the previous two years, because you know now, especially probably with Barry Trotz and now with Peter Laviolette, that the coach isn't going to be a problem. Todd Reardon, uh, as an assistant coach, is a really good assistant coach. It didn't work out uh, as a head coach in Washington. And I think 
you could certainly trace that that Carolina loss in the first round to Todd Reardon's coaching, being outcoached by Rod Brindamore, certainly. Um, but you, I think the, the biggest question and uncertainty about this team is how far the goaltending is going to carry the Capitals. And and having Ilya Samsonov, who was supposed to be the guy, and Vitek Vanacek, a rookie who might wind up being the guy instead, or some combination of the two, is the uncertainty. And and, and when I say it, it reminds me a lot of, of, of those years. It, they could lose in the first round, or they could win the Stanley Cup, and neither one would be surprising. And, and I think that's the, the thing that, that the Capitals have almost come to peace with over the years and 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 it's even more sharp this year in 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 terms of the focus on the division of any of these teams any of these four teams i think could come out of the east division and and the capitals could easily stub their toe and and have the goalies lay an egg in the first round and 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 be out in five or six games and and could make a long run if you get one of those guys to catch fire because this is a, a talented team uh, even with Alex Ovechkin right now dealing with, with a lower body injury and, and, and out, which is rarely happens, there's plenty of firepower when he gets healthy on this team to go far if the goaltending isn't dreadful. Yeah, yeah, I, it's it's this this we, we we talk about it all the time on this show of how competitive this East Division is. We you, Penguins could could easily get out or they could get knocked out right away. It's just you you we're not quite sure what's going on. Stephen, again, we, we mentioned at the top you you do cover the league for the Associated Press, and in looking around the NHL this year, you know, is there a story? Is there a story? What has been the best story? Whether it be a team a player, an event, or maybe just getting through the pandemic, at least to this far, where we're still pretty much on schedule. Yeah, I, I think from, a, from a, a big picture perspective, the fact that the protocols have worked basically everywhere but Vancouver since the first two months of the season, it, is a, you, you need to give a, a round of applause to the league, Bill Daly, and the Players Association for figuring that out. But when I started thinking about a bit best story, and it's one maybe we haven't talked about enough outside of, of kind of local markets because it does feel like every there's four different leagues playing at the same time right now and, and not like it's one big picture league. But the Carolina Hurricanes are almost the best team in hockey. And and, and Rod Brindamore is should be in the running for Jack Adams as, as coach of the year. They they've gotten goalie a goalie in Alex Nadelkovich, excuse me, who no one's ever heard of really before this year to play well. Peter Morazic's played well, James Armour's played well enough. There, that is a team that it's not a sexy market, but that's a, a, a Hurricanes team that is fun to watch. It, it was the, the kind of the fun team a couple of years ago when the storm surge happened. But the Carolina Hurricanes are, are fun, and, and, and maybe they don't get through the playoffs. Maybe Tampa Bay is just too good again, getting Nikita Kucherov back, and, and they probably are. It's fun, though, to, to, to see a team in a market like Raleigh have this kind of success again. And, and, and with the question of, Rob Brindamore is a free agent and may not even be coaching there next year. But it's <laughs> it's it's a real it's, it's it's a good story when you've got a Sebastian Ajo when when you've got kind of the young talent they have there in, in Carolina and and Don Waddell going out and getting a Vincent Trocheck uh, last year that that this is a, a an enjoyable team and and a cool fun story. Uh, Stephen, you you mentioned uh, the pandemic and coronavirus and and how the league has in general done a pretty good job of, you know, conducting a season in the midst of all of this. Uh, However, the regular season was supposed to end on May 8th. And now, at least for some of the teams in the North Division, which is the one based in Canada, uh, there will be games going as late as the 18th 
of, of May. Do you have any sense uh, of how that extension of the schedule is going to affect the, you know, the, the playoffs? There, there could be teams in the, uh, you know, in the East Division, for example, that that sit f- for the better part of two weeks before the regular season is finished in the North. I, no, I actually think they're going to start. Uh, I think they're going to stagger the playoffs. And, and I was talking to a colleague about this this afternoon that every game in the, the Central plays its last game on Monday, May tenth. The East plays its last game on Tuesday, May 11th. You could literally start the Central on, on Friday the 14th, the, the, the East on, on Saturday the 15th, the West on Sunday the 16th, and get the North going on Monday the 17th. We don't know where the North playoff games are going to be. That, that remains probably the biggest question yet. But I do think that if there's a delay of sorts, it's going to be fixed by some series are just going to end early. You're going to have four or five game series here and there. And you can, as we've seen, as we saw in the bubble last summer, you can condense schedules together. You can play back-to-backs in the playoffs to get it through. And the, the, the NHL would love to get to that July 9th mark that was set earlier on as the final game of the Stanley Cup final of July 9th. It's going to take probably squeezing the playoffs a little bit, and, and it might take putting two of the Canadian series in the U.S. Uh, our colleague Scott Burnside speculated today, a Jets-Oilers series somewhere like Glendale, Arizona. A Canadians Maple Leaf series somewhere like Nashville or Dallas or Chicago where you don't have to travel. You can play games on consecutive days and, and get through those series quickly. I, I, the NHL has gotten really creative and, and showed it in the bubble of getting through playoffs w- without kind of wasting time. And I think that's what we're going to see this spring and that maybe you see the East get to, to game three or four, the Central get to game three or four before the North gets underway. Uh, but a lot of questions there with where the North's going to end up playing its playoff games. And while we're picking on our friends to the North for destroying civilization as we know it, uh, <laughs> there hasn't been a team from Canada win a cup since Montreal in 1993. Um, since then, there have been teams from Southern California do it, from Texas, from Florida, North Carolina, even the District of Columbia. Any cheap and easy explanation, uh, as you see it, for, for why Canadian teams can't win a cup? No, I, I think I think it's simple math and that there have been more teams in the United States since then. And, and you saw the Quebec Nordiques and, and the Winnipeg Jets move from Canada to the U.S. before the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg. That it, it was a higher percentage of teams for a lot of years in Canada versus the United States. And, and you had the, the, the dominance of, the, of those franchises, particularly the Canadians, winning championships. The Leafs, as we all know, haven't won since 1967. But th- there were teams out there that could win. And, and look, the Canucks got close in, in, in 2011. No one's gotten closer than that. Uh, the Canucks got close in 1994, even a year after the Canadians won. So it's possible. But you also have the salary cap in, in there since 2005 06 that is kind of even the playing field to where you don't have to worry if you're a, a kind of a small market team in a Carolina, in an Anaheim, those kind of places about being outspent the way that some of the original six and, and big market teams used to do. You, you would see that the, the Red Wings have a, a payroll that's four times what the Atlanta Thrashers were paying players at one point. You don't have that disparity anymore. So it really has gotten more like the NFL in that it doesn't really matter a market size because of, of the salary cap and what Gary Bettman loves to call competitive balance, that it's it's kind of been unlucky. But this would be, you would you could say, the most likely scenario 
for a Canadian team getting through because you guarantee with this playoff format that a Canadian team is going to be in the final four. You know that it's going to be three U.S. teams and one Canadian team. And, and I'm sure everyone's figuring it's going to be the Maple Leafs. But you look at the Winnipeg Jets or the Edmonton Oilers and say, if they get there, they have a chance to win, sure. Stephen, uh, what are what are your impressions of the NHL's new TV deals and what this really means for the league? It's it, I, 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 go, I think it's good for everybody but NBC. And, and, and long term, it's going to be good for, for the players and and, and, and the, the kind of the 50-50 revenue split and the cap's eventually going to go up. What, what it says to me most of all is, the NHL is getting double the money, Taylor, that, that it was getting from the U.S. deal with, with NBC. So that it, at the very least, owners are going to recoup the losses from the pandemic. It's not necessarily going to make the cap go up in the next couple of years. But everything that the owners have lost in the last year or so is going to be made up by the Seattle expansion and the TV deals. For fans, it, it should mean more hockey at your fingertips. And and, and there, there is a little bit over, over recent years of you have to seek out hockey sometimes, whether whether it's on NBC streaming or NHL Network or NHL TV. There's going to be more places to find games. And, and it may mean signing up for another three or four streaming platforms like we all have a Hulu and Netflix, a Disney Plus and all that, given that ESPN Plus is going to have games. HBO Max is going to have games. You have the, the usual Sunrise package on on. on on cable, but in a cord cutting world, it's going to be easier to, to find hockey in the United States. And with more promotion on Turner sports on TNT and TBS and on ESPN, the thing that, that, that the NHL has talked about for years of growing the game, it's going to get that exposure back. You're going to have the people who have ESPN on in the background all the time, or the bars that have ESPN on just naturally, there's going to be more hockey on and visible in the United States than there has been in a long time. Well, I, for one, will miss uh, the NHL first-round playoff games of, like, Columbus and somebody on Bravo. I know that. I, I, I will miss all those, those networks. The Golf Channel games. The Golf Channel game. It, it was uh, – yeah, the, the first round of the playoffs was always comical if you're uh, – you know, the poor Carolina Hurricanes, and I agree with you that they're such a good team, and they would be just like, where? Where is – I don't even know what this network is. And, again, nothing against NBC because I thought they did a really good job. Stephen, you did a really good job. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, a lot of knowledge, a lot of different topics, a lot of ground covered. Uh, enjoy the draft. I uh, hope you get a chance to watch a little bit of the uh, uh, the Penguins and Capitals on Saturday. Uh, that will do it for us here on the 66 to 87 podcast for Stephen Wino, our guest, Taylor Haas. almost did it again. And Dave Molinari, this is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next week.